a new song in case you didn't catch it. That was it. Amen? Amen. Thank you, brother. Um, Miranda asked if she could say a word. Miranda, you want to come up and share real quick? Is this thing still on, baby? All right, good deal. She didn't know I'm Miranda Hart, um, and I just I just wanted to say a little something just because I think I don't think enough churches hear it enough, and I just wanted to say that I'm so thankful that I found you guys <laughs> because you've opened up your doors and you've accepted me, and I just wanted to say thanks. You're all amazing people. You're all just amazing, and you can just sense that God is in here, and he's working in everybody. There's no scarlet letters. There's no judgment. Amen. And I thank you guys for that. Um, I haven't known you guys long enough, but um, in the short time that I've known you, it's, it's amazing how powerful it is when you walk through those doors. Because all you have to do is walk through those doors and feel it. Mm. You feel God's arms wrapping around you. And mm. in each one of your hugs, you feel it too. So thanks. Amen. Amen. <laughs> all right, we can go home now. Don't get any better than that, folks. <laughs> That's about as good as it gets right there. Oh, amen. Thank you so much, sister, for sharing that. Amen and amen. Well, God is for us. Amen. I was sitting there thinking, and, and Brother David probably looked down and saw me read my Bible and said, the boy's still studying, not a good sign. And uh, that actually wasn't what I was doing at all. I wanted to um, come down and just share, just, uh, I, I was trying to think how to introduce the message tonight and how it ties in. You'll see how it ties in pretty quickly. But on the Wednesday night before we went to Africa, um, that day I, I'd read Psalm 56. And let me just read part of that, and then you'll see the key on the tie-in. Uh, the psalmist says, be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I am afraid, and just, just pan back to this morning, let not your heart be troubled. Right before the cross, knowing what the boys would be facing and the followers of Christ would be facing as he was crucified and spent three days in the grave. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear for what can flesh do to me. All day they twist my words. All their thoughts are evil against me. They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps. When they lie in wait for my life, shall they escape by iniquity? In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know. Because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid for what can man do to me. It might be, 
It might be a funeral. Some of you have been scarred by death. Some of you in your past, there's a little boy or girl, your son or your daughter, that God, for a reason you've yet to understand, took to heaven. Some of you have gone through great trials in your life, physical health trials. Some of you have gone through emotional trials. Some of you have saw your job, your career disappear, and it just seemed like God wasn't there at that moment for you. And I really want to assure you something, that no matter what tonight, God is for you. And the scripture tonight comes from Luke chapter 7, if you want to turn there. I just thought it would be kind of interesting to kind of keep going where we left off this morning. We had the funeral uh, service this morning in Nain. We saw how the funeral crasher came in and just changed everything in a real dramatic way. I mean, again, when the, when the dead sit up and talk, the funeral was over. And somehow God is able to take funerals of our loved ones, our moms and our dads and our husbands, our grandmothers and grandfathers who died in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden they turn it somewhere it happens. It turns from a funeral into a celebration, a celebration of life. Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection life. He that believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. And so we had that all this morning. And then we have a follow-up scripture that's really quite interesting. That once again, will just reassure you tonight that whether it's a funeral, whether it's hospitalization, whether it's loss of a job, whether it's just a hard, dark time in your life, a valley in your life, that God is for you. It begins, I'm going to go and pick up verse number 17. We ended with that this morning. The Bible says, I love this, just four words, and here it is, this report about him. You know, the report ought to be about him. Amen? Come on, come on. The report ought to be about him. This morning was not about, oh, wow, Dorisville had 602 in Sunday school. No, 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 or in worship. No, 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 no. It was that 602 people gathered to celebrate the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. To Him be the glory. To Him be the honor. The report should always be about Him. Every time we show up, Miranda, and I hope that's what you sense, what you feel when you say us, is that we feel the living Savior coursing through our body of Christ and He is risen. He's alive. He's touching us. He's changing us in very wonderful and miraculous ways. And this report about what He did at Nain spread throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. And then it kind of shifts gears. The Bible says, the disciples of John. Now, this is John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist has done made Herod mad and so Herod has locked him up in prison, and ultimately, Herod is going to kill John the Baptist. So things are not going well for John the Baptist. Now remember, John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So some disciples of John have shown up, and they were there when Nain took place. They were in that crowd that day when Nain took place. So the disciples of John reported to him concerning all the different things that were happening. So they went back to John in prison, did a little jail ministry bill, went back to jail and said, hey, John, this is what's kind of going on um, out there while you're locked up. And then verse 19 is very surprising considering who John is. The Bible says, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus. And here's what he asked. Are you the coming one... Or do we look for another? Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Now, this is really surprising. 
It's surprising on the context because even though John the Baptist's ministry was just about a year long, that's all. But let's face it, he was, first off, he was the cousin of Jesus Christ. He was chosen by God from the get-go, from the beginning, from the womb. He was the, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was the one that proclaimed the way, prepared the way. He's the one who said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was there and baptized the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there when heavens opened up. He was there when the dove descended. And he was there when the voice of God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And you may wonder then, well, John, based on all that, why are you sending this question to Jesus? Are you the coming one or do we look for another? My first response is this. And you need to hear this. John was human. John was human. The bottom line is, John's in prison. And Jesus isn't. He's looking at the ministry of Jesus, and John the Baptist, I promise you, knew the Old Testament Scriptures. And he, like so many other Jews, kind of missed the kind of Messiah. He, he probably got Isaiah 53, the suffering Messiah, probably to some context, but still he had had an idea of what the Messiah, he had an expectation of what the Messiah should look like, and some of the reports he was hearing, it just wasn't lined up that way. In fact, can we just be honest? John, John was Baptist was the kind of guy, Mary, who'd look at you and say, Repent, you vipers! The judgment of God is coming. And then we hear Jesus coming, and really the only people he is calling a viper are the church people. But the sinners. You don't hear a strong message of, Repent, you vipers! You hear him calling to himself and saying, I've come, to, I've come that you might repent and be saved. And, 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 and he, he seems to entertain. He, he, would, he would take the worst, worst sinners, the tax collectors, and go have dinner with them. And you kind of have to wonder, John's mentality, time out. Doesn't that seem like you're compromising just a little bit? So John was, for whatever reason, really questioning, what, Jesus, what's going on? Are you the Messiah or are you not? And you'll get there. If you haven't gotten there, you'll get there. It may be a dark valley of your life. It may be something going on in your life that you just don't understand. God may seem like a very distant God to you. And even though you're a pillar, hey, time out. It's time to tell you. It's just time to tell you. You know, after Africa, there's about two and a half weeks in my life that were very difficult. I was physically sick. I was emotionally drained. I was spiritually drained. And I told my wife, the last Saturday morning, not this Saturday, last Saturday morning, I said, gee, I'm, I'm almost certain I'm depressed. I am spiritually empty. I am emotionally empty. I do not see how I can stand up and preach tomorrow. That was Saturday. That was your pastor. There was not, it wasn't, there wasn't a sin that I know of, an unconfessed sin in my life that I knew of. It wasn't about sin. I was just at a point in my life where emotionally and spiritually and physically, I was tired, exhausted. I was recovering from this illness. And I just said, I don't know if I can do it tomorrow. Ever been there? It may be a time when, when things didn't go well in your marriage. Or God, he was going this way and you're trying to follow him. And God did that crazy, crazy Ivan thing. He turned a hard left and you kept going. 
Because you just knew you were following God correctly. If you haven't been there, you will. It'll happen. But just like, and I wish I could explain it to you. I didn't have this huge God moment when I woke up on Sunday morning. But when I opened my eyes Sunday morning, it was different. I could not wait to get to my green room, my study. I could not wait to sit down at my sacred desk where I do my last minute studying for the sermon. And once again, and and you probably don't understand this, you may say you're weird, Dwayne, but every Sunday morning when I sit down at that desk, it's like the windows of heaven just kind of crack open and God just feeds me what to give you that day. And Saturday morning, I couldn't, it looked like that window was padlocked. I'm going to say, God, I can't perform tomorrow. I can't do it tomorrow. And I sat down at that desk and the window opened and he spoke. And I was able to, to approach you last week with the knowledge that God had spoken to me so I could speak with you. And you need to know that. That God is for you. And even though you're going to have times of doubt, and even though you're going to have times of darkness in your life, God is for you. Even when you question, questions, say, okay, are you the Christ or are you not? He is for you. So, the disciples then do what John says. Look at verse number 20. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, Jesus. You notice the why. Again, if you've got, this is New King James or Holman Christian Standard, and the personal pronoun is capitalized. Has sent us to you saying, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? And look what happens. Verse 21. In that very hour, He cured many infirmities, many afflictions, and evil spirits. To many blind, he gave sight. And time out, this is so cool. Did you know that Luke is the only one who records what we studied this morning? The resurrection of the guy at name? Luke is the only one. Ever wonder why? Do you ever wonder why, why one gospel writer included it and another gospel writer doesn't include it? You're going to get a glimpse of the working of the Holy Spirit in Luke, the gospel writer, why he gave us this story. Because here's how it goes. Let me read verse 21 again. And that very hour he cured many of infirmities and afflictions and evil spirits, and to many blinds he gave sight. And then Jesus answered and said to him, Go and tell John. Now, he had no doubt once John was given the information, he would get it. He would understand it. So he says, here's what you need to go back and tell John. Go tell John the things that you have seen with your own eyes and the things that you have heard. Tell him how that the blind can see. Go back and tell him how you saw me touch a blind man And his eyes were then open. Go back and tell them how that you saw people who were crippled physically and who could not walk. And how I touched them and spoke to them and how the lame can now walk. Go back and tell John how the untouchables, how the leper who spent their life unclean, unclean. And leprosy in the Bible often stands for sin because it separates from people, in the case as our sin separates us from God. Go back and tell them how the lepers were cleansed. Go back and tell them how ears that were deaf have been opened. 
And go tell them that the dead are raised. They rather go back to John and say, John, we, here's what we've seen. Now, some of this we heard, but we have seen. We have seen that there were lepers healed. We have seen that the blind received their sight. We have seen that the deaf had their ears open. We have seen that lame people can now walk. But here's the crown jewel. Hey, John, here's the crown jewel. I mean, here's like, here's like the Super Bowl. Here's like the World Series. Here's the Final Four, the championship match. Just a couple of days ago, he was at Nain. And two worlds collided. We were with the crowd, and Jesus had just healed a guy, and it was like really wild, John. And John, we met a funeral procession. And Jesus saw that this woman was a widow, and this was her only son. And John, we saw with our own eyes, he walked up. And this, by the way, the, the name resurrection was the first resurrection that is recorded in the Bible that Jesus performed. This is new territory. We saw him walk up, put his hand on the, on the open coffin and it stopped. And he said, John, we heard him say it. Young man, I'm telling you, I am commanding you, arise. And John, he did. He sat up and spoke to his mama. And Jesus took him by the hand and gave him back to his mama. John, we saw this. And this all resonated with John because John would have thought back to Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, where it's a wonderful prophetic verse where, where it's, it's God, the Holy Spirit has anointed me and the power of God's upon me to, to open blind eyes and open deaf ears and, and to, to preach the gospel to the poor. All this is all prophetic and happened in the book of Isaiah. And then, and then when, when Jesus was starting his ministry and they handed him the scroll of Isaiah... It was opened to Isaiah 61. This very scripture that even Jesus is referencing here. The dead are raised, and the poor had the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, John, who is not offended because of me. The word offended there means, in the Greek, not trapped. Trapped by what? Trapped by expectations. John probably... Notice the word probably. John, part of what caused John to get where he was was his circumstances. They were not easy. But, but part of that was also his expectations. He, like Peter, like John, like Mark, like all of them, somehow expected Jesus to perform a certain way. Their idea of a Messiah wasn't God's idea of Messiah. And, and Jesus says, you know, blessed is the one who's not trapped by expectations. John I know I'm not exactly what you may have thought. But let me pause. But John, I am. Come on now. I am. I am Emmanuel, God in the flesh. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the vine. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Yes, John, it is me. You can rest assured, I am the one. I am the one. Isn't that cool? Now, now watch this. This is really cool. Look at verse 24. When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. And here's what he said. 
Can you believe it? Can you believe that? This, the guy who announced my arrival, the guy who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The guy who was at my baptism, in fact, before my baptism. The guy who heard heaven open and say, this is my beloved son. The guy's doubting me. Can you believe me? What a joke. Oh, is that not what it says? It it doesn't say that, does it? Listen to this. Remember Psalm 56? This I know, God is for me. Watch. These things he spoke to the multitudes concerning John. So, here's Jesus speaking. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? You know, when, when John was doing his thing, when John was doing his ministry, what did you go out to see? Did, did you go out to see a reed shaken by the wind? And this is so full of symbolism. A reed shaken by the wind is spineless. It's weak. So, so Jesus is saying, so when you went out into the wilderness and you heard this crazy preacher preaching, did you find him to be a spineless, weak-kneed, compromising preacher? And, of course, the response was, well, no. Say, well, no. No. Well, but what did you go out and see then? Verse 25. A man clothed in soft garments. In fact, he says, those who are gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in king's cars. Did you go out to, to see John and when you got there, did you see a man living in luxury? Did you see a man in it for the bucks? Did you see a man in it for the money? No, you saw some crazy guy in camel hair eating locusts and honey. Crazy. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. And yes, I say to you, yes, this is the guy who sent his disciples to say, are you the one? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. Let me tell you about John, Jesus would say, after his disciples had gone back and said, John, this is what we've seen. He said, let me tell you about, you went out to see a prophet, and I tell you, you saw more than a prophet. In fact, he was on this. This is he, verse 27, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. He says, this is the man. You, you, y'all, y'all think, again, I told you this morning, in 4411, you know, 2100 years today, you will not be even a distant memory to your The best you can hope for, if the world's still cooking in 2100 years, is somewhere on Ancestry.com, someone's going to try to find your name. John was prophesied in the Old Testament. How cool is that? There there was a time when when the Old Testament talked about a prophet who prepared the way. And it was John. It was John. You don't find Jesus coming down, John saying, John, what's up this doubting stuff? You you don't see Jesus come down, John saying, John, what's up, man? Come on now, you you know I'm the one. You know why? Because Jesus was for John. And Jesus is God. And God is for John. And His Word does not lie. I am telling you, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, from Psalm 56, the Bible says, This I know, God is for me. He is for me in my doubts. He's for me when I'm strong. He's for me when I'm weak. He's for me when I'm on track. God is for me and God's for you. God's for you. Amen.
God's for you. That's incredible. And it gets even better. Watch this. Verse 28. For I say to you, among those born of women, does that exclude anybody? Nope, that's everybody. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Who was John the Baptist's biggest fan? Jesus Christ. It did not stir Jesus up that John had doubts. Because he understood that John was human. And God doesn't understand when you choose to wallow in sin, when you've been in victory over sin, but never does God stop being for you. No, no, no. No, no. Among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And then he closes with a special gift just for us. Because he says this. But he who is least in the kingdom of God, is greater than he. Now, he is speaking forward of his church. He wasn't saying John wasn't in the kingdom of God, but he's saying there's coming a time that blessed or greater than he, than John the Baptist are the least of the ones that are going to be in the kingdom. And what's going to set, what's going to set that people apart? Well, prior to Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came on people temporarily. That's why David in Psalm 51 says, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. But for the church age, and that's us, Kathy. For the church age, the Holy Spirit permanently indwells in us. And in the Holy Spirit, we have power. In the Holy Spirit, we have comfort. In the Holy Spirit, we are enabled to do the kingdom work of God. And it's not given to us temporarily. It is the agent of regeneration. The day we trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit came in you and rebirthed you and lives with you forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's why Jesus said, greater is he is the least in the kingdom of God than John the Baptist. In fact, in Jeremiah 31, 31, 34, the Bible says the law is written on our hearts. It's not an outward law to keep. It's written in our hearts. We have been born again into the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit lives within us. I don't know what you're going to face this week. I don't know if you're going to have a last Saturday morning or not. I don't know if I'm going to have a... Next, last Saturday morning, Tuesday. But I promise you this. That somewhere in that darkness, we need to look up and say, This I know. God is for me. If you find yourself in prison and things aren't going well, if you find yourself in bondage to to a fear of death. Satan will come and say, uh-huh, and where is your God now? If you find yourself with your hands on a doctor's report that is so unfavorable. If this week you find yourself sitting in Randy Reed's office planning a funeral. And the accuser comes and whispers in your ear, where is your God now you just kind of look him in the eye, if you can see an eye of Satan, and say, He's on the throne, and this I know, 
God is for me. Would you bow your heads right there? Would you take this nugget home tonight? Would you close out this glorious Easter day that God is for you? And nothing's going to change that. Not as His child. Nothing's going to change that. It means Him loving us enough sometimes to spank us. It means He knows that sometimes the only way our faith can grow and increase is through difficult times. doesn't mean the sun's always going to shine. But it does mean, this I know, God is for me. The author of Hebrews put it this way. It is written, He shall never leave us nor forsake us. This morning, this evening, we'll have our invitation time. And I think it's more of a reflection time. Don't let that term throw you. I think we all bask, we all reflect on today. We heard this morning all about the resurrection. He had power to lay his life down. He had power to pick it up again. And there's no greater power. Paul said later on, that I may know him, the book of Philippians, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That is the power that lives within us. We need to reflect and bask in that. Tonight we've heard that even though John had reached a point of doubting if the very Jesus he baptized was the Messiah, Jesus was still his biggest fan and sent word back, you go tell John what you've seen and heard. And you just reassure him, yes, I am. I am. And I am for him. And let God whisper in your heart, no matter what circumstance you fear tonight, that God is for me. When I'm afraid, I will trust in him. After all, what can man do to me? Thanks, Father. Thanks for leaving Luke to include this story in his gospel. Part of the power of what we talked about tonight was what happened at Nain that day. When you saw a woman hurting and you walked up and commanded a dead man to be alive again. And you led Luke to interview someone to get that. And record it for us now. And we're grateful. Lord, let us take home this precious golden nugget of your word. That no matter what we face this week, you are for us. And right now the sun may be shining so bright in our lives. We know just like we've seen storm after storm roll through our area on the radar. One minute is sunny and the next day it's raining and thundering. So it is with our lives. But if a storm does come, this we know. You are for us. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.